Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. It is the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession over 100 years ago. Now we step back into the ring and back into time, into the Great Smoky Mountains. That's where we find the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller, what's going on, my man, Ron? Oh, just uh, hanging out, man, waiting on uh, getting the opportunity to to uh, jump on this thing with you today. Got another really good one here today, and uh, you know, got a pretty nice day here. Uh, you know, uh, had a little cold weather still, but uh, you know, um, it's uh, it's it's coming along. That's cool. So, is the snow gone? No more snow for now. No more snow. I hadn't had a snow, I guess, in about uh, 10 days or uh, two weeks. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that we're going to get any more. Uh, I've been looking at the, the extended forecast, and I don't see any days uh, below freezing in the next <laughs> eight or 10 days. So I have a feeling that we may be getting a little springtime up here, man. Hey, I tell you what, the cold in Tennessee is a special kind of cold. I've been there, done that, even in snowy weather. But then it's hard to say it's not a beautiful day in Tennessee, no matter where you are. It's a great state. It really is. Yeah, man, I'm really really enjoying it. Uh, my first opportunity to live right in the mountains. And, uh, wow, I really, really love it. Every day's a, and nothing ever looks the same, man. It's really crazy. Yeah, do you feel like you're at home, Ron? Oh, yeah, man. Born here, raised here. You know, this is, uh, this is as much <laughs> home as any place I've ever been, I guess. That's Maybe more awesome. So. That's fantastic. So, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it, man. Hey, I don't know how you're keeping up with two territories. So, but here we go, and we're going to see how you do it today because we're on Studcast number two forty three today, Ron. That just a few weeks away from five years. That's only a few weeks away from five years that you've been doing this. Your audience has continued to grow. Your family stories become more remarkable with every stud cast it seems like this episode is titled great cards in both territories so tell us what that's all about as we get underway today well obviously you know southeastern knoxville was a extremely healthy territory in march of 1978 it, it had been operating for more than about three years at that point and uh, it was loaded with very good talent and uh and most of uh that talent was extremely over at that point uh quite a few guys in fact uh, were helping to draw money and uh wow we had a great following so every week there in knoxville uh had been a great card 
for a long time. By March of 1978, it wasn't uncommon for them to see a great cart. But uh, let's talk just a little bit about the South End, uh, Southeastern Gulf Coast, uh, which was a brand new territory. In fact, we'd only been in business for four weeks at this point. And uh, we'd only operated in one city so far, Dothan, Alabama. Uh, and that was, uh, we started in the first week of March. And by the end of March, we've still only been in Dothan, Alabama. And uh, we've been there. The, this will be the fourth time in this stud cast. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the, the card in this week, though, that uh, fans were going to get to see for the first time a unique wrestling event that was kind of widely associated with my wrestling companies. I love to have them. The big old two ring triple chance battle royal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Dothan's going to get a look at that. And I don't know that they'd ever had one there. And I, I, I got the feeling that they probably hadn't. So, you know, we'd already discovered in the first month that the former Gulf Coast Territory was in really bad shape. I was about to say pretty bad shape, but I'm going to change it to really bad shape, you know. <laughs> and every time we had run Dothan, and that was uh, three three times that we had run it at this point, mm -hmm. the crowds went down every time. Wow. You know, so I wanted, man, I was kind of uh, eager and uh, really uh, uh, – kind of forced almost to ensure that I did something to stop that decline in these crowds because, of, you know, we were scheduled to open other markets pretty soon. Uh, cities like Mobile and Montgomery, Alabama and Pensacola, Panama City, Florida, we had never even been to yet. So we really uh, at this point needed very badly to see some success in the city, especially where our TV was located. We produced our TV <laughs> show just outside of Dothan, the big old WTVY studio. Oh yeah, just a few miles of. I mean, literally, as a crow flies, flies about four miles from my home. Right, speaking of success, I can tell that this is going to be another very educational stud cast. Before we ride into this one, success is exactly what you're having with your Southeastern Rewind, your YouTube channel, and your fantastic new streaming channel called ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Way to go, stud! Well, man, you know, thanks. And, you know, and I'm very pleased with the reaction from fans around the world to what we've kind of got started here so far. And every week our subscribing numbers, uh, they grow on both those Internet sites. And uh, this is the 10th month that Southeastern Rewind, the YouTube channel, has been open, which is, wow, it's gone pretty fast. And it is now loaded, man, with Continental uh, and USA TV shows. Uh, it's got uh, 20 or 25 stud stories on it. It's got classic matches nowadays from territories gone by, uh, like the Gulf Coast, the old Gulf Coast territory, and, uh, and you know, uh, in uh, southeastern Knoxville. Uh, there's a lot of history on that channel uh, right now, and uh, on both those channels, as a matter of fact, and much more. You know, and, and there's a difference, basically, but between the two Internet channels. Uh, absolutely everything that I'm doing now and in the future uh, is going to be found on that ClassicContinentalWrestling.com streaming channel. Uh, we are in the final stages, basically, of collecting more Southeastern Coast, uh, Gulf Coast TV shows. Hmm. Uh, basically, now I think we have, Dave, uh, undoubtedly more than anybody in the world. Wow. Uh, and uh, when we have when we have them uh, all in the order that they were originally produced, as I promised I was going to try to do when I set this up, and uh, we've already done uh, we've already done every USA and uh, Continental TV uh, show so far 
that are on there. They've all been in the order that, uh, the best order that I could place them in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're going to release all these, uh, con- the rest of these continental shows, uh, in that order. And, uh, they're going to be literally of hundreds of shows that have never been seen before. That's going to end up uh, on the streaming channel. That's awesome. All right. So I hear that your request for help from fans around the world who have copies of these extremely popular TV shows from 1978 and until 1985, you've really had amazing results from all of these requests. You made simple requests and boom, they started coming out of the woodwork. It's been crazy, man. Uh, thank goodness for it, man. Uh, thank the good Lord for it. Uh, wow. Uh, they, they just contacted me. It's, it's just been amazing. And, and I want to thank all those fans around the country that allowed me to make copies of their tapes. They've been sending them me those tapes. I've been making copies, sending them back to them. And I already have by far the most complete collection of Southeastern Gulf Coast TV shows on earth. I feel confident that that's the case. And they're still coming in. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, that's huge news. news. So fans are really going to be able to see some of the best wrestling talent ever when they were young, before they were even stars. So give us a few of those young stars that went on to become Hall of Famers, because I know there's, well, there's probably a pretty good list. Oh, wow, man. I mean, uh, I'm, uh, when I do this, uh, I'm always afraid I'm going to miss several of them. I usually do. But, uh, you know, let's just start with, man, probably the biggest name maybe in the history of all of us uh, wrestling is uh, Sterling Golan uh, is going to become Hulk Hogan. And he leaves, <laughs> leaves down there. Uh, that, that name, that name just throws me when you say that. But I do remember that. Go ahead. Yeah, Sterling Golan, man. That yeah. was just that was yeah. the name we started him out with, and he's yeah. going to become Hulk Hogan. Punk Rock Wayne Ferris is going to become the Honky Tonk Man. You know, uh, Eddie Boulder <laughs> is going to become Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Uh, <laughs> David Schultz uh, becomes a uh, Doctor D. And he's pretty famous, man, for, for the slap heard around the world on old John Stossel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Arn Anderson, what another great name, man. He was there, and he, and he got the name Arn from us. Uh, you know, in fact, he got the Arn Anderson name from us. Uh, Jerry Stubbs became Mr. Olympia. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty were there in their early years, man. The list goes on. It's it's a, practically an endless list, and I know I've forgotten a whole lot of guys. Every time I do this, I get these calls and go, Ron, you left me out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so but that, that's just a few of them, man. I mean, uh, these old uh, Southeastern Gulf Coast TV shows were absolutely loaded with guys that's going to go on to become Hall of Famers, man. Oh, no doubt. These, I mean, and these, these shows and, and stars are just the beginning on this classic continental wrestling.com streaming channel. You've had a tremendous amount of original content that you've added never before seen or heard anywhere in the world. That's going to be produced by you. Yes. Yeah. And you know, and that part really excites me, Dave, uh, you know, I love to tell the stories, man, and the history of the sport. Uh, kind of becoming famous for that in a way, and uh, and I'm currently in the process of writing my first book about wrestling, you know, and it's going to be called The History of American Professional Wrestling. Uh, it begins in the 1830s, 
and it ends more than 170 years later in the year 2000, at the end of the 20th century. And, uh, and the great part about this story is this story uh, is going to be, it's going to coincide with my family's part of it. And my family was part of this sport for more than 100 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm going to link the both of them together, the story itself, and I'm going to uh, then uh, throw my family into it and what they were doing along with all these other famous people that made uh, professional wrestling in America what it is. And uh, it's going to go basically, uh, you know, my family's a part of it is from 1920 right into the new millennium. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot going on there. So, so I'm going to do something else that's never been done before, Dave. I'm going to release this book chapter by chapter as I'm writing it on the classiccontinentalwrestling.com streaming site. So every time I finish a chapter, I'm going to throw it onto the streaming site. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, fans will have the opportunity to know what's in that book yeah. prior to it even coming out. Wow. So I, I don't think that the release of a book chapter by chapter on a streaming site has ever been done before. This is going to be pretty unique. So, or, so you, you're going to make this streaming channel totally unique, it sounds like. Well, I, I'm not through yet. I can tell you that, Dave. I'm about to introduce another series, man, also on the streaming channel. And this one's going to be called Superstars of the Past. And what it's going to do is highlight some of wrestling's biggest names ever, uh, People that are no longer with us, obviously, uh, superstars of the past. So I'm going to tell how each one of them became famous and how they contributed to the sport. And then whenever possible, uh, depending on how long ago and how old they were, uh, I'm going to use photos and even some matches from the past to enhance the experience for the viewers, man. So the first of these superstars of the past is going to be released in the next two weeks, as a matter of fact. And I'm going to, I can, I really believe, Dave, I'm going to blow fans away with who the first superstar of the past is. All right. That's pretty huge news, Ryan. So your first wrestling book, chapter by chapter, plus another series of shows about superstars of the past exclusively on the streaming channel. You have not even mentioned things on there now, like the 90 minute Wildcat Wendell Cooley documentary. And the 43 fantastic stars of the sport, three-hour tributes and interviews that are also going to be on there as well. Well, uh, actually, man, uh, uh, Andre the Giant is the first one of those, and he's up there. He's the first one of those stars <laughs> of the sports. He's up there. Yeah. And uh, and Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, uh, his, his interview uh, and uh, his program is going to be up there soon. Uh, and... Uh, the Foley has a lot of photos that go with this. I'm already trying to put this, make this not just an audio, but a video, uh, something that's uh, going to be very, very uh, likable for the fans out there. I think they're going to really enjoy it. Uh, Andre, I'm going to go back. Uh, we've got it up already, but I'm going to add uh, photos to that one too. So, uh, you know, and then they're going to be streaming another new. 90-minute documentary in the next, uh, you know, in the coming month. In fact, on April the 26th, I'm going to debut a Tony Anthony, the Dirty White Boy and Girl uh, uh, documentary with matches and interviews from wrestlers like Dr. Tom Pritchett 
And that one's going to be on the site for only 30 days. It's actually a world premiere <laughs> event. And once it goes off in 30 days, it goes straight from my streaming site mm -hmm. right to Amazon. Wow. All right. So that's getting crazy, Ron. We could go on talking about the streaming channel, ClassicContinentalWrestling.com all day. But you got two territories to cover today, both with great cards. So where do we ride to first? Well, we're going to begin this one, Dave, and, uh, you know, in Tennessee with the Southeastern Knoxville card for Sunday afternoon, March 19th. We're back in the Coliseum. Uh, we're going to discuss the TV that promoted that card. Uh, we'll talk about the results of that card, and we'll, uh, we'll tell everybody what the attendance was for that event. And then we're going to ride south into Alabama for the biggest Southeastern Gulf Coast card so far on Friday night, March 24th in Dothan, Alabama. We'll talk about the difficulties with TVs down there in that part of the country. Uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit about getting new cities started in Alabama and Florida. We'll discuss the TV show down there on Saturday, March 18th. That's going to promote this March 24th card, the big card. We'll talk about the results of that card, and uh, we'll talk about the attendance there as well. And provided we got the time today, we're going to end up with another learning tree question. And this one is uh, goes something like uh, when a wrestler has a stack of bills, gold watch or whatever to offer a bounty or pay one off, does the promoter supply the prize? Hmm. All right. So obviously another loaded stud cast with two great cards. Let's get this very interesting ride started with the Knoxville card Sunday, March 19th, 78. Well, okay, let's begin by, I think with, to get this one started off properly, we need to back up about two weeks earlier than this March 19th to Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, which is uh, one of the towns that we ran on Tuesday nights in that territory for many, many years. And uh, my brother and I were defending our tag team championships against Ron Wright's new dream team, man, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, in a championship match. Uh, in that match, there was no winner, and the belts were held up. So within in last Sunday's Knoxville card, uh, those belts were at stake again uh, between the same two teams. So we were wrestling each other again to see who was going to win the belts that had been held up. And it ended up with another no-decision match, and the belts were held up again. So uh, Don Curtis, the Southeastern Commissioner, decided that there should be a one-night tournament on this Sunday's card that we're talking about in this studcast to find the new Southeastern Tag Champions. Hmm. And that tournament was going to be held, as you said, on March 19th, 1978, and that is the subject of this studcast. Hmm. One of the subject <laughs> cards of this studcast, I yeah. should say. Right. There's another big one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, it was a big tournament, uh, you know, a really big tournament, actually. And it had an odd number of teams. Most tournaments have an even, even number of teams so that uh, some, pe some teams don't get buys and be able to move on without have winning. So uh, in this tournament, it happened to have nine teams in all. And that should have been at least eight matches from those nine tournament uh, matches. And, uh, you know, and but because of having nine teams, there was going to be a change in almost everything about this card. Mm. That ninth team uh, changed just about everything in, for this Knoxville card. The card uh, would not be booked until the TV show began. Wow. Uh, the day the turn, the day before the tournament. So 
the, nobody knew <laughs> what was going to happen, basically, because it had nine teams in it until the TV show of the day before the tournament. Okay, so obviously that's a pretty good change in TV format. You got no card when the TV show begins. So how do you open this TV show, and how do you calm down all the people up in the control room going, wait, Ron, what, 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 Ron, we don't have a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were panicking. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it, it, obviously this show was totally different than it had ever been before. And it, and it opens with Don Curtis, the Southeastern Commissioner, uh, and he's doing uh, the opening of the show. He has recorded it, pre-recorded it in Tampa, Florida, three days before the TV even started. So when the TV uh, ran uh, uh, and the animated TV portion of it finished, uh, the first person you saw on the screen, instead of being Les Thatcher like usual, was Don Curtis. Hmm. And he welcomed everybody to another Southeastern TV show. And he quickly explained what had happened the Sunday before when the Southeastern tag belts were held up again and that he had decided to hold a one-day tournament for the belts with nine teams to find new, to find the new tag champions. Mm -hmm. So he explained the rules for the tournament, which were pretty short, you know, the first round uh, and the first round pairings, you know, uh, but he couldn't give the names because he, they weren't, they wasn't set up yet. So, and he explained though, that if there was a 30 minute time limit draw in any of the matches during the tournament, that both teams would automatically be out. So since there was an odd number of teams in the tournament, one man from each team in the tournament was going to be picking from a hat at the beginning of the today's TV show. So one team would get the very important first round by in the tournament, meaning that that team would be the only one that would actually advance to the second round without having to wrestle at all in the first mm -hmm. round. <laughs> so after that by was decided, you know, he would set up the entire tournament brackets before the end of the first TV match. So then he introduced the nine teams in the tournament. Uh, and here they were, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson. I, obviously, as Ron Wright liked to uh, brag about, presented by him. Uh, Robert Fuller and the Tennessee Studs in this tournament. Ronnie Garvin and Don Carson. Joe LaDuke and Mr. Wrestling 2. The interns, managed by Dr. Ken Ramey the famous interns, Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson, Tony Charles and Rip Smith, the Mongolian Stomper and gorgeous George June in the ring and Doug Gilbert hmm. and the hangman. Hmm. So he finished obviously by welcoming all the nine teams and wishing them luck in the tournament. And then he threw it to Les. So instead of Les for the first time ever, instead of Les being sitting there at the set uh, the show opens up with Les standing in the ring, and he had a hat in his hand, and he was surrounded by seven wrestlers and two managers. And each of those represented one the nine teams in the tournament. So each one took turns walking up to Les and selecting a slip of paper from the hat. And uh, hopefully uh, one of them was going to have the word bye on it. You know, the others were blank. So when all had selected the paper, Les asked them at the same time to take a look at their choice. Well, it didn't take long to figure out who won the buy, <laughs> because gorgeous George Jr. started jumping around like a kid, you know, <laughs> like he had had a, a big present handed to uh -huh. him, you know, a gift of some kind. So he and his partner, the Mongolian Stomper, had drawn the buy, and they wouldn't have to wrestle in the first round of the tournament at all. <laughs> 
that was an I'm sure the fans enjoyed that opening stunt with the well with gorgeous George probably dressed in something that looked a lot like a shower curtain but anyway I'm sure he looked uh, uh, spectacular oh yeah yeah, no, I mean, you know, he, <laughs> as usual, man, yeah. he had his normal outfit. He not only uh, managed in it, he wrestled in it. So, so I'm sure it was probably, <laughs> you know, I would say, Dave, that was probably the most unusual opening of a TV wrestling show maybe in history. Man. So <laughs> you had all the wrestlers or managers. Uh, as soon as it was over, they left the ring, as Les did, and Les returned to the set. And he was followed by Ron Wright, who had drawn on behalf of his team in the tournament, Dennis Condry and Phil Akerson. So since that was done, Dave, uh, I might as well give everybody the actual matches in the first round of the tournament. The first match in the tournament was going to be Ronnie Garvin and Don Carson against Joe LaDuke and Mr. Wrestling number two. Hmm. Second tournament match was Ron Wright presenting Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson against Tony Charles and Rip Smith. Mm -hmm. The third tournament match was Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson versus Doug Gilbert and the Hangman. And the last first round match was Robert Fuller and the Tennessee Stud versus, and, and I say this uh, not uh, as any, any, anything uh, but the truth, uh, against the world-famous interns, man, managed by Dr. Ken Ramey, one of the greatest <laughs> tag teams in the world yeah. in this thing. Wow. So uh, so it, it was going to be an unusual afternoon the next day, obviously. Unusual enough that another match was going to be added to the card in the middle of the afternoon <laughs> as the matches was going on. <laughs> okay. Are right, you kidding, right? I think because I, I think the tournament would have been enough. So who was in the match you're talking about? Well, uh, you know, uh, you got to have a little patience, Dave. Oh, come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You know how I am, man. Hey, you know, uh, it's, it's it's just a buildup, man. You know, so uh, I want to save that match until we get to the results of this card and after we finish talking about the TV. So there was something that happened, though, I will say this, during the tournament that instantly added another match to the afternoon's event. All right. So now, as usual, You've got me wondering what that extra added event was. So what happened on this TV the day before this event? Well, so after Les had returned to the set, the cameras got that normal close-up of him. And, uh, and Les announced, because of the nature of what this TV show was all about, this tag team tournament, that this TV was going to have do something that had never been done in Southeastern before. For the first time ever in Southeastern Championship Wrestling history, every match on this TV was going to be a tag match. Wow. So when the cameras backed away, there on the desk, you know, in front of Les was the Southeastern tag belts. Obviously, that's the focus of the entire show. Uh, some team's going to win these belts. So Ron Wright was seated beside Les. And the first tag team of the day, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, were standing behind their manager. Uh, but they had these grim looks on their faces because, uh, you know, Ron failed to pull the, <laughs> the bike for him to get past that first round. So I guess they were a little bit upset by that. So on this big screen behind the man, uh, the still shot of the day, basically, uh, was was a shot of Ron Wright. And he's, he's pulling and tugging with two different referees. This is the Sunday before. Uh, <laughs> trying to get the Southeastern belts out of their hands because uh, he, you know, he thought he had won them 
And then the, somebody came and said, no, you didn't win them. And uh, so Les asked right to, you know, uh, after fans got a chance to see this big shot of what's going on, Les says uh, to Ron Wright, well, what's going on here, Ron? You know, so Ron, like I said, he was probably already a little upset about not getting to buy in the tournament. <laughs> so uh, that's about all Les got to say in the opening of this show. Ron Wright took over from there, man, and he was in rare form, man. Uh, first, he started out by attacking the dishonesty and the lack of decency <laughs> of Southeastern referee. Here we go, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he said, uh, you know, this just ain't the first time that my beloved team have won these belts and they took them away. It's twice now they've done it to us. And uh, <laughs> so he ordered the director upstairs, uh, you know, and, he, and when he did, he says, uh, I want that director up there to, 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 to put that tape on that spot that I showed him earlier in the day. So he'd been up there setting up the tape so it was going to show what he wanted it to and you know and so and he says uh he, so Kincaid was a uh, bill Kincaid was the director of the show and bill obliged him and sure enough man when the tape started to roll there was dennis condry getting a three count on robert <laughs> Fuller, and the referee was holding ron wright's hand in the air and his team's hands in the air uh in victory so, you know, Les tried his best, you know, to interrupt, uh, you know, Ron was on a little roll there. And then Les said, you know, uh, that video should have been backed up further because, because fans aren't seeing what really happened here, Ron. <laughs> so Wright blew up at him. He started screaming that fans just, the fans just saw what happened. And if Les had showed the video from Johnson City, they'd see the same thing again, you know, that Robert Fuller and his masked brother, parading around as a Tennessee stud, uh, both got pinned by his beloved team. But the belts were taken away there, just as they was the last Sunday in Knoxville. So basically said, my team is the best in the world, and they ain't no need in holding the tournament to see who's the best in this part or any <laughs> other part of the country is. It's obviously Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson. So his boys in the background, well, they're just shaking their heads in agreement, patting him on the back. Go yep. on, Ron. <laughs> yep. So Les tried to break in again. You know, <laughs> he's not having a very good start of his show. He's losing control again, and he says, uh, "But you know, to Ron Wright, he says, but your team is in the tournament.'" So Ron Wright broke him off again. He started screaming. He says, but ain't nothing but a big rear end. And that's what this <laughs> bad commissioner, Don Curtis, is a oh big rear God. end. <laughs> he said, there ain't no need for a tournament. And you can mark my words, Les Thatcher. Them belts is going to be coming home with us tomorrow afternoon. We're going to be the tag champions of this part of the country for a real long time. So Les was trying to continue the conversation with him, but Ron just jumped up. He took his boys to the ring because they was in the first match of the day. And, wow, they, they uh, you know, I, I was way in the Dothan for this, uh, but Rob tells me about how it all went. And he says, man, they look like champions, man, when they got to the ring. And they left a couple of guys laying at the end of it. So, wow. And then so uh, they returned to the set with Les after the first match was over for the first interview. And the matches for the tournament at that point had been set. So Tony Charles. And a fairly new Rip Smith was in Studio B in the first match uh, with Ron Wright's team. 
the first uh, tournament match of the next day. And Wright took just about all the interview again, man. And uh, and then the interview, <laughs> Rob says, he called Tony Charles a damn foreigner that wrestled all funny like. <laughs> well, I assume that meant he was a great wrestler. Uh-huh. And he said, and he called Rip Smith a, a beach bum musclehead. <laughs> so uh-huh. so yeah, it, it's a good one, man. It sort of sounds like Ron, Ron Wright had his way on the opening of the show. So uh, how do you follow that? What was next? Well, the, the tag team man parade continued, man. Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson, uh, Ben, they lit the studio up in the next match. And on the end of that match, they did something Rob said he had never seen before. When he told me about it, I'd never seen it before either. Uh, they set their opponents up in the middle of the ring, and one of them went up to the top rope on one side of the ring, and one of them went to the top rope on the opposite side of the ring. And when those guys got to their feet, they each one drop kicked, <laughs> drop kicked them from the top rope, and uh, they kicked them so hard, Rob said, that both of them flew out of the ring. Then they had to go out there and get them up off the floor and roll them in the ring before they could cover them and double pin them. <laughs> Rob says, geez, what? that was unreal. He says they, they almost kicked them out of the studio. Wow. And, you know, so then uh, – and then, and then they were scheduled, uh, obviously, to meet Doug Gilbert and the Hangman in the first round, and they had their interview. All right, you're right in the thick of it. But I'll tell you what, it's a good place for a break. If I'm correct, Ron, I think Robert Fuller and the Tennessee Stud are on the personality profile. Is that coming up? Uh, that's correct, my man. Uh-huh. All right, so while we get ready for the break, let's mention ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. They're streaming everything that you see on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind, and so much more. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. you got to check it out. Okay, the profile is up when we come back on this Studcast. All right, Studcast fans, Southeastern Rewind schedule for this week. Thursday, new Continental TV show. Friday, new Gulf Coast Classic match. Sunday, new Southeastern Classic match. Monday, new Gulf Coast Classic match. Tuesday, stud story number 26, Australia. Wednesday, new Studcast number 244. Don't forget all this and much more on the streaming channel, ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Subscribe now, only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year for the very best in old school wrestling. All right, folks, welcome back once again. It is episode number 243. There are great cards in two territories, and that's what you're dealing with right now. The Tennessee Stud continues the story. And, Ron, I think we're up to the profile you're going to be, I think this is about Robert Fuller and the Tennessee stud. Do you know anything about this? Well, I know a little bit about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of recall portions of this, you know, so uh, it's quite a, quite a few years ago. We're talking about 44 years, man. Uh, so you don't, uh, don't remember quite everything, but uh, so Rob and the Tennessee stud, man, they did the personality video with Les and uh, they had shot this video three days earlier. Because at the point when this TV is showing in Knoxville, I was in Dothan, Alabama for a match the night before. And I was on the TV there mm-hmm. about the same time that in the afternoon of that same day at the southeastern Gulf Coast uh, territory down there. So it was our belts uh, that this tournament was being held for. You know, we talked about being the champions and, how, and uh, you know, having uh, – and we watched, we had the opportunity to watch that first title match that uh, Ron Wright uh, talked about earlier 
that happened in Johnson City where the belts were held up for the first time. And uh, then obviously we ended the profile by basically predicting that we were going to walk away as champions once again. We were happy to be in the tournament. Uh, we had a really tough team for the first round, obviously the interns, but uh, we were we were really looking forward to it. So the third match of the TV made the crowd very happy again, man. Kind of like uh, Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson. Uh, Joe LaDuke and his tournament partner, Mr. Wrestling 2, who who was a phenomenal star in Georgia, big enough that that bled over into Tennessee, man. Uh, the fans really, really love wrestling, too. And he and Joe LaDuke are going to make a potent team, to say the least. And uh, they showed it on this match. They tore the studio up, according to Rob, man. And uh, they were facing, in the first round, a very strong team, Ronnie Garvin and Don Carson. So the last match of the TV was uh, that team. Ronnie Garvin and Don Carson, and uh, they they left both their opponents laying as as always. Ronnie Garvin, as you can imagine, jumped off the top rope and one of them's throat, and Don Garvin gave the other one the taste of his peanut butter. Man, so <laughs> he left them both laying. There. All right, so, so the first two got left laying, and the last two of the TV got left laying. All right, that's a it's a pretty unusual but a great TV Ron with four tag team matches. So what happened the next afternoon? Well, Ronnie Garvin and Don Carson, uh, they won their first match. They beat Joe LaDuke and Mr. Wrestling too, uh, and then uh, Garvin and LaDuke got really into it at the end of this match. And uh, wow, their battles were just beginning. These two, uh, uh, they they kind of stole the show right at the big at the end of it, man, uh, because uh, they had just had a little fans got a little taste of that that twosome, and uh, they're going to get a lot more of it. So Ron Wright's team of Dennis Condry and Bill Hickerson, they won their first match over Tony Charles and Rip Smith. Uh, Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson beat Doug Gilbert and the Hangman in the third match. Uh, both of those guys, Doug Gilman and the Hangman, are going to be working in Alabama five nights later. And so, you know, we got some guys going back and forth still. So uh, Robert Fuller and the Tennessee Stud captured a great win over one of the best tag teams ever, man, the interns, managed by Dr. Ken Ramey. Uh, and it was a classic match. I mean, that Coliseum was roaring. I don't think they sat down the entire deal. Uh, in the fifth tag match, which is the first match in the second round of the tournament, Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson come back to the ring, and they beat Rodney Garvin and Don Carson. And uh, toward the end of that match, and you'll love this one, Dave, uh, Carson made a little mistake, uh, you know, and he accidentally hit Ronnie Garvin. Uh-oh. And, uh, and when he did that, uh, Ronnie Garvin left him alone. Oh, oh. <laughs> and, uh, Golden and Gibson, man. <laughs> the crowd loved it, uh, Golden and Gibson. They 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 made old Don pay. <laughs> they, they, they just beat the dog, 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 whatever out of him, man. Okay. So, you know, it was a good old Tennessee dog whooping. Yeah, I feel like it was. <laughs> So then the second uh, second round and uh, the second match in the second round was another fantastic one. Uh, Robert Fuller and the Tennessee Stud wrestled the Mongolian Stomper and Gorgeous George June, and uh, they had both won the bye, and they didn't have to wrestle anybody in the first round. So it was their first time in the ring, and it was our second time in the ring. And uh, this 
this uh, was a the it was a very bloody match i guess that's the best way to put it man so gg kind of opened up rob with something uh that he had in his in his outfit his his uh, his, his shower curtain as you called it <laughs> you know he got into his shower curtain and he pulled out an object and uh and he put he put a pretty good cut on rob man whoa and, uh, so uh so you know so rob rob got really upset about it and about halfway through the match, he returned the favor on Gigi. He popped him, and he busted Gigi a good one, man. Ooh. I mean, and uh, so about the last 15 minutes of this match, which went the time limit, mm -hmm. there was no winner, uh, those two guys were bleeding like crazy. Mm. And uh, so the match, the bell was rung, and according to the rules of the tournament, which, uh, you know, uh, Don Curtis had explained very well on the opening of the show that at any time, any any uh, time limit draw would eliminate both teams. So oh. we were out, mm. and so was uh, the Stomper and and uh, Gorgeous George Jr. So at this point, only Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson and Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson remained in the tournament. Mm. Wow, uh, it's interesting that if you if nobody wins a match in thirty minutes, you're both eliminated. So you better get in there with with the the thoughts of getting it getting getting a pin, getting a win. All right, but I th uh, something different though. I thought you said there was going to be another match that was added to the card. Well, your timing is great this time, Dave. You know I'm not going to have to hold you off. Man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, so after this match between Rob and the Tennessee Stud and Stomper and Gigi, uh, Rob, Rob and Robin left the ring with the Stud, and they started for the dressing room, and Gigi got on the microphone uh, before got back to the dressing room and he challenged Rob to come back to the ring for more with just me alone. He said, come on back and just me and you, you know? So, uh, Rob was still bleeding pretty badly, you know, but, uh, but, uh, he, I couldn't, the stud couldn't stop him, man, from uh, turning down that challenge because <laughs> it's GG, right? So, uh, so <laughs> Rob and the stud returned to the ring and they, by the time they got there, GG had changed his mind, oh. you know? Oh. And, and he was still mad about how bloody Rob had made him, you know, and, and then, but then he asked Rob, he was on the microphone and the fans are really into this, like, well, what's going to happen out of this? And he asked Rob if Rob would be willing to put up his hair again to get, to get a match with him oh. right now. Oh, right. Huh. So, you know, Rob's hair had been growing back. It had been a couple of months since he had got lost, he shaved his head and, his hair was probably about two, two inches long, you know. And uh, so Rob was just as mad as Gigi. And uh, so without asking the stud, he just got the microphone and he asked Gigi, he says, uh, if I put up my hair right now, uh, are you going to wrestle me? And, uh, boy, the crowd popped. They were like, hell yeah, are you serious, Rob? You know, and, uh, <laughs> Rob didn't care. He, he was he was all in. So Gigi got the microphone. He said, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Because uh, he says, I won't wrestle you. But he says, uh, I'll have my stomper put up his southeastern belt again you right now if, uh, if you'll put your hair up. Huh. So, you know. And and the, the stud standing there talking to him and uh, you know and the, and he says Rob there's a hell of a lot of difference between Gigi and the Stomper here mm -hmm. you know? yeah <laughs> so you've had your head shaved once you better you know but uh, stud couldn't talk him out of it 
you know, Rob was infuriated. He was so mad at Gigi, you know, and, and he was probably had a little bit of a concussion as well from that shot that he took. It got all that blood on him. And so he took the challenge, man. And, uh, and the crowd, instead of popping, they were a little less enthusiastic about this one now. You know, guys, wait a minute, Rob, you know. So uh, someone brought the Stompers Southeastern belt down to the ring, and Rob got in, and in spite of the fact that uh, I, that the stud kept telling him, no, no, don't get in there, man, don't do this, the announcer laid out the match. He made it very clear this is Rob's heir against the Mongolian Stompers belt, and they rung the bell. So, uh, you know, we'd wrestled twice at this point. You know, Stomper had only been in there for one match. So we'd probably been in there for 50 minutes. We probably had 20 minutes with the interns, and now we had 30 minutes with Stomper and Gigi. You know, we'd been in the ring for 50 minutes already, and Robert <laughs> had been bleeding for at least 15 minutes. Of wow. 50 minutes. So he was bloody all the way down to his tights. I can say that, man. You, wow. It wasn't a play, nothing on the front of his body you could see other than red. Wow. So I stayed at ringside. I, I didn't leave. The stomp, I should say the stud stayed at ringside. And Stomper tore into him, man. And soon, <laughs> boy, he had Rob bleeding again. And Rob was fighting like a madman. The building was going crazy. Wow, this is, this was something they weren't supposed to get to see, and uh, and wow, they were really into it. So Rob finally started this comeback, and Gigi jumped up on the apron, and he reached into his outfit and he pulled out the probably the same tool he'd opened up Rob with earlier, and the ref turned around. He didn't see him with the the, the gimmick, but he saw him there, and he stepped in that direction, and Gigi jumped down, but I jumped up, or the stud jumped up on the ring, and uh. And he was going to go after Gigi. So the ref came over to the stud, and that left Gigi alone on the apron again. <laughs> Stomper stopped Rob, and he full Nelson him. He pushed him over to where Gigi was, and Gigi reared back, man, and he threw this mighty swing at Rob's head, and Rob ducked. And the Stomper fell like a giant oak tree, man. He just knocked him cold. Wow. Fell on him, the Ref counted him out, and that building exploded. So, wow. so me and Rob had started the afternoon. Uh, the stud and Rob uh, trying to regain the Southeastern Tag Championships, and Rob comes out of there with the Southeastern title. <laughs> so what What about the tag belts? Who won? Well, so Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson, uh, they managed to beat which was almost an impossible team to be. Condry and Hickerson were fantastic. And, uh, and it was a real upset there, too. So the fans left with two great pops at the end, man. Uh, Rob winning the Southeastern title in a match he wasn't even supposed to be in. And Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson winning the Southeastern championship from Ron Wright's uh, beloved team. And, uh, and again, it, it ended with a tremendous pop, man. <laughs> wow. What an afternoon. That's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be one of those afternoons where the fans leaving, like leave feeling like everything is well with the world because, uh, our favorites won. That's really a big afternoon. So what about attendance? I bet, I bet you did really well. Well, it was about 5,300 for this one, which I think is a little up a couple, couple hundred maybe from the last one. But uh, the, the, the really thing, I look back at this uh, and I checked the, the, 
the, the figures again. This was the 10th straight 5,000 plus crowd in the Coliseum since the first of that year. Wow. I don't, that's a man. This has been another great one, Ron. So what, I mean, well, where to now do we, do we head South? Well, yeah, man, we're going to go to Southeastern Gulf coast, man. And we're going to look at another great card, man, 500 miles South, uh, down in Dalton, Alabama. And it was going to be the fourth uh, wrestling event in that city uh, under Southeastern Gulf Coast uh, promotion. And it was headlined by a 14-man, two-ring, triple chance battle royal. And as advertised, uh, 10000 was going to be given to the two winners because there's going to be two winners and they're going to split that $10,000. And I don't think, like I said earlier in the show, that the fans in that area had ever seen a two-ring battle royal. But I wasn't taking any chances, man, in case they hadn't. So the card had five single matches plus a tag team match with the Assassins managed by Rip Tyler versus Rocket Monroe and Charlie Cook. All right. But what was on the the TV show? Southeastern Gulf Coast, March 18th of 78, six days before this battle royal. Well, we had recorded several matches from the Friday night before. That was the night in which uh, I had wrestled uh, Greg Peterson, little Greg Peterson in the last podcast. And, uh, and I sang this short people song to him, you know, so uh, that was about six days earlier. So uh, this one, uh, this one was the, we, we had, uh, we, 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 we had put the show together uh, right before the Friday night day after the TV uh, was a, we're, we're set to go. And we had a great deal opportunity on this card uh, to watch uh, him win over. And, uh, you know, I, 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 had, I had this video because we, we did the same thing we had done uh, for the, every time we'd had shows there. We recorded matches and they recorded my match with Greg Peterson. I got to watch my victory. And then I got to sing the song to him again, man. Before, before I left the set with Charlie <laughs> Platt. So then David Schultz, he kind of had the same opportunity I did because he and I he uh-huh. had helped him steal the Gulf Coast Championship from Bob Armstrong <laughs> the Friday night before, and uh, it was on Bob's first title defense. So David was also on TV uh, and got a, got a match. Not only did he get to see himself and talk about how he beat Bob Armstrong, but he got to go in the ring and beat somebody on TV too. So Dave was fast becoming, man, a strong interview. And, uh, wow, you could see he's going to be a great heel. Mm, mm. Uh, the Assassins, uh, managed by Rip Tyler, they watched their win from the night before over Robert Gibson and Charlie Cook. And Rip Tyler, you know, helped him to get that victory. And Rip was not as good as I had hoped he would be on the microphone, but he was a great veteran in the ring and, uh, and a good guy to have in the crew. Charlie Cook and uh, Rocket Monroe were wrestling against the Assassins uh, on the Battle Royal card. And uh, Monroe and Cook, uh, they got a big win on TV. And uh, Charlie Cook, uh, wow, he was really impressive, man. I, I was I hadn't seen a whole lot of Charlie Cook, but I could see that, he was going to do very well for us there as a baby face. <clears throat> the best promotional thing we did on that TV, though, that day was to clearly show how a two-ring triple chance battle royal was done. Mm-hmm. And to do that, uh, I sent Charlie Platt, who obviously was the TV commentator there, uh, along with Bob Armstrong and a camera crew, down to the building where the two rings were already set up mm-hmm. for the next week. 
And uh, so the type of battle royal, that, that particular type of battle royal was very entertaining. And it gave multiple possibilities for heels to get real heat. Man. Mm-hmm. And, and if fans didn't understand how it worked and, and, they, and, and why it was so popular, they weren't going to buy a ticket to see it. So by golly, I, it, was, it was absolutely critical that somebody explain the rules of a two-ring battle royal. And uh, that guy happened to be Bob Armstrong. Who better than Bob? And uh, the fact that Bob was new to that area, it just made him the perfect guy to explain it and how it all worked. And Bob's personality was one of his strong points, man. I mean, when he talked, people listened. It's like E.F. Hutton, man, the old commercial, you know. And uh, so uh, uh, Bob walked uh, Charlie Platt uh, through the entire scenario of that type of battle royal. They walked around both of the rings. Uh, Bob and he got in the rings, and uh, he explained every bit of how one of these two-ring triple chance battle royals worked. Uh, Bob started off by, you know, saying everybody's going to be in ring one. He and Charlie stood in ring one, and uh, Bob explained that they had to be thrown over the top rope of that ring, but you couldn't throw them out onto the ground or out onto the floor. They had to be thrown over into ring two to be eliminated. Hmm. So when they got thrown over there, it was the end of their first chance. Okay. That's why they called it a triple chance. So he said the last two guys in ring one didn't go against each other. They were going to be partners in the tag match at the end. So they stayed in the ring alone until everybody in ring two got thrown out. You could throw them out on any side you wanted to in ring two. But with the last two guys in ring two were, uh, they had their second chance then to win the money. So uh, they going to get in the ring, ring one. And uh, the final part of this was a simple tag match between the two men that had won in ring one. The last two in ring one are going to wrestle the last two winners in ring two in a tag match. And the winners of that tag match are going to get that third chance, man. And uh, if they win there, they're going to split the money. So these were a great way to put people in the building, man, these two-ring battle royals before Mm -hmm. they had a connection with a particular wrestler. I mean, Mm -hmm. these fans are just watching us for the third or fourth time that they'd ever seen us wrestle. And uh, when you had an event like this, it added something really different. So, And it was an easy way to get off the ground uh, before your crew got over. You could put these two ring battle royals on the card and, uh, and you was usually going to draw a better crowd. Oh yeah. I can definitely see that. Anybody who has ever seen one of these can attest to the popularity. So what happened Friday night, March 24th of 78, you had 14 men entered ring one to see which two would split the money at the end of this two ring triple chance battle Royal. Well, the first thing that happened, man, was the fans really got into it. Wow. You know, it it started a little slow, but as they watched it, you know, uh, they began to figure out what was happening, man. And, uh, and then they realized, Jesus, a lot more to come here, man. You know, they're, they fought in ring one and now they're fighting in ring one and ring two. And now they're just in ring two. Wow. It, it was a phenomenal, it was just a plain phenomenal event. So, uh, so Bob Armstrong and I ended up in ring one as partners. I'm a heel. <laughs> Bob's <laughs> big baby face. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, 
and, and that's an odd combination there. You got a baby face and a, and a heel as partners in ring one. Mm -hmm. The two guys that finished in ring two that came over into ring one was David Schultz and Eddie Mansfield. Uh -huh. So the fans, man, once they saw them crawl into ring one with Bob and I, they got real quiet. <laughs> They realize that, <laughs> wait a minute, that's three guys against Bob Poor Bob. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, three heels against a single baby face. Wow, this doesn't look good. So uh, so naturally, man, I'm really getting into the healing again. So uh, Bob comes to me and, uh, you know, he wants me to start the match. And I say, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to start the match, you know. <laughs> You know, yeah. and uh, so, you know, Bob was a powerhouse, man. You know, I mean, uh, so I, I told him, I said, you know, uh, go get him, you know. And uh, and the fans didn't much like the fact, you know, that I sent him out there. But he did. And wow, <laughs> that Bob was a hoss, man. I mean, he almost beat him uh, several times. They, they barely kicked out and they barely kicked out and they barely kicked out. And, uh, and, and then finally, after about uh, 10 minutes out there by himself against the two of them, he came to the corner and, uh, and he, he wanted to tag out and I refused to tag him, uh, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, he, he got very upset about it, but, uh, you know, I said, well, that's too bad, you know? And then he says, are you going to tag me? And then I just got off the apron and walked away from the ring. <laughs> and, uh, and so he had to go back again. Right. So, uh, then, and he did, and the fans were going crazy, man. At this point, they, they were mad. They 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 weren't happy with what, the way I was handling it, being his partner. So then uh, finally, uh, Schultz and Mansfield, they took over on him. You know, uh, he did very good in that first 10 minutes. But in the second 10 minutes, he's out there by himself. They finally got him down and they beat him pretty much unmercifully, man. And he crawled over to make a tag. And they realized what I was doing, too. So they just stood there and watched him crawl to the corner where I was and he reached up the tag and uh, <laughs> for the first time in that territory, since I'd been down there, uh, I turned my back to him and I could feel the heat, man. Ooh. I actually saw some fans get up out of their seats and kind of start over toward the ring. <laughs> so, uh, so suddenly in desperation, you know, uh, uh, they drug Bob back and they <laughs> continued to pound on him. And then out of nowhere, he hooked a small package on Eddie Mansfield, uh -oh. and he got a three count. And that building exploded, man. He had beaten one of them right? by himself. Wow. I hadn't been in the ring yet at all. And uh, so Mansfield left the ring. He had to get out of the ring. So so Bob just, once he won, he just, he, he just basically collapsed. <laughs> was exhausted and Schultz just charged in there and started pounding on him, man. And the uh, <laughs> fans, man, they were mad at this point. Now, they were, they're mad at me, but they're mad at Schultz. They're mad at Mansfield. They're getting mad at everybody. And uh, so uh, fans started coming to the ringside, basically all the way to the ring. Uh, the police there had probably not seen that kind of uh, uh, heat in years. So they didn't. They didn't do nothing. They. They just. They, there was no policeman to be seen. And you know, there's probably at this point maybe 10, 15 fans, basically almost bellied up to, to the edge of the ring. Wow. And uh, and David Schultz, being the, being the wild son of a gun, he was. He went for. Him. <laughs> 
you know, he went to get them, right? He's like, I'm going to, you know, get your butts back, my gosh. And, and uh, while he wasn't paying attention, Bob Rose reached over there, man, and he schoolboyed him from behind, rolled uh-huh. him over backwards, and one, two, three. Wow. <laughs> and that house, the building exploded again, man. It was just pandemonium. And uh, Bob had won the deal, and I had not even gotten in the ring. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it just, the fans just weren't going to get quiet. They were celebrating like crazy, man. And, uh, you know, they, they, and they were so mad at me already. Aww. So then the announcer comes into the ring and he brings the two checks, $5,000 check for each of the two winners. <laughs> and the fans are still going crazy. They're cheering, man. They're just happy as hell. And, you know, and, uh, so, uh, there's one check for Bob and there's one for me. And so uh, I took my check from the announcer. Well, and Bob's still laying on the mat. He he can't even get to his feet. He's so totally exhausted. <laughs> and uh, so the announcer reached down to give him his check. And I grabbed his check. Oh, <laughs> and, and then I shoved yeah. the announcer down backwards. And, uh, and I stuffed the check down in my tights with my other winning check. And, uh, and then I started to put the boots to Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> mm, mm. And that was it. Uh, it was riot time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that building, wow. <laughs> they came from everywhere. Wow. They, I mean, there was no way to fight them all off. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were crawling through the ropes. They, they were going to kill me, <laughs> you know. And uh, thank God, Eddie Mansfield and David Schultz had stayed back there in the back, and the assassins, two assassins, were out there watching the deal too. And uh, and boy, here they came, man, to my rescue, right? And uh, and I don't think the police had, at that point. I hadn't even seen a policeman. I don't think. And then finally, a couple of police showed up, and they kind of pulled a couple people off the apron, but they weren't. Mm. They weren't trying to save anybody. <laughs> they weren't going to keep me from getting killed. So uh, meanwhile, man, me and my buddies, the two assassins and Schultz and <laughs> Mansfield, we left about a 10-foot wide path of bodies, man, <laughs> laying from the ring all the way back to the dressing room. Wow. I turned around and looked. I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> this ain't good. But, you know, and, and I've been saying, and they, all these stud casts since we started down there in Alabama and in mm-hmm. the Gulf Coast, that the heat on the heels was where we were going to have to go to get business started. Yep. And by golly, in this battle roar, we ended up with a ton of heat, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> I suddenly felt a whole lot better about our future, man, in southeastern Gulf Coast. And you, and you earned the money in the match, right? So why was everybody so upset? What? That's what I was thinking. Right, I know. Absolutely unbelievable, Stud. How did, So you guys had to have a pretty good night in Dothan, I think. Well, you know, like I said, we were down for the third week in a row, uh, down to, to uh, just a little under 900 fans the Friday before, and we jumped back up there to the size of the Andre crowd the first night, about 1,300 people. Mm-hmm. So I had a feeling with this kind of heat, man, and a reaction from the crowd that we were going to do just fine there because summer was coming, and that's the best mm-hmm. time of the year. And I got a feeling we're going to hear a lot more of these stories in the future. I bet on that. Well, you can bet on that, Dave. You're right about it. And, you know, <laughs> and uh, what's going to happen, man, is we're going to light up this territory. I mean, on fire over the next six months. And uh, when we leave there, we're going to follow this crew with another totally different group of future stars. One of them's going to be Hulk Hogan. Wow. 
Wow. All right, another remarkable stud cast, Ryan. Indeed. They seem to be all loaded. I mean, really loaded now. Since you've got two territories to deal with, of course, this one certainly lived up to its title. Great cards in both territories. I'm sorry, fans, but we are not going to have enough time to answer the learning tree question today. I was really going to push for this thing. After that last story, Ron, I don't think fans are going to mind too much, but I can't wait until next week. So where are we going to ride next week? How do you, how do you finish out? How do you top this show? Well, I tell you, Dave, next week is a strange one uh, because for the first time ever, both of these two territories, main cities, were off at the same time uh, because the buildings weren't available. They were occupied by other tenants. So we're going to have a week in which both territories are not going to have the major cities operating. So we're going to have a chance basically in this next one to reload, man. And in 1978, uh, since this year had started, I'd been nonstop back and forth and back and forth. And uh, and this was going to give me an opportunity to get ready for the biggest summer yet in my wrestling career, man. That's what's going to happen later on. So I'm going to take this next stud cast. Uh, what we're going to do in this next one is we're going to take a deep dive into the future for both of these two territories. Uh, we're going to look at southeastern Knoxville and focus on the huge talent changes that were coming there. Uh, we're going to keep be keeping all the wrestlers in both of the territories working on that Knoxville end during this week in which Knoxville isn't running. And we're going to be running two smaller cities a night in Knoxville for the entire week. Uh, that's a that's that's going to be very, very interesting to see the results of that. And then down there in southeastern Gulf Coast, uh, we're going to focus on opening the territory's largest markets soon. That's the Mobiles and the Pensacolas and the Montgomery's and the Panama Cities. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, we're also going to be setting up the first major outdoor advertising campaign in the wrestling history of that part of the country, man. We're going billboards, man. We're going big time down there. And it never been done. <laughs> and, uh, and then we're going to be also utilize that two-ring battle, battle royal finish on two TVs to propel that company down there uh, forward, man. So, And uh, we're going to also talk about uh, how best to use both territories' TV shows in this situation. There's a way to make, make hay out of this. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about how to do that. And, and then hopefully we're going to get to that learning tree question that we didn't get to today. <laughs> we might even have a second one in the next podcast today. <laughs> It sounds like an even more loaded stud cast than usual. Next week, you can't miss it. You will definitely be wearing the owner's hat next week. Yep. There's never a season, you know, and, and only uh, one time of the year to work wrestling like other sports. It's different, though. It's not a seasonal deal. Uh, you know, you really had to bear down year-round. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. You know, so I want to thank everybody for uh, making this podcast one of the best out there in wrestling. And uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, take care of yourselves and others. and May God bless us all. It's awesome to be a part of it. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. 
Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.